all over the place, in every nook and cranny, there are not well-educated people setting themselves up as horse trainers. Who are the professors at Oxford, Stanford, MIT? Are they people who dropped out of high school? And yet, in the world of horses, there are so many out there teaching and training who are the equivalent of high school dropouts. They avoid reading like the plague. They don't take lessons. They don't attend clinics. They have only competed at entry levels. They know little about theory or pedigree or the history of their chosen disciplines or methodology. Those being taught by uneducated teachers are similar to horses being trained by uneducated trainers, unlikely to become proficient beyond a basic level. But just go try to persuade an uneducated but self-proclaimed teacher-trainer to seek a higher level of knowledge. See what response you get. 90% of the time, you will be told to mind your own damn business. The other 10%, Those are the ones who might make it some fine day. (laughs) This is a quote from Denny Emerson on his Tamarack Hill Facebook page. Welcome to the Daily Second Half Horsemanship Podcast, where we talk about using your mind more than your muscles on the path to better horsemanship in the second half of life. The podcast features a thought for the day six days a week and a more in-depth discussion or interview on Saturdays. I'm your host, Paul Sherland. Here's what I think when someone talks about the best teacher for me or trainer for my horse. It's a quote from Tom Dorrance in his book, True Unity, Willing Communication Between Horse and Human. Some people will ride a horse as long as the horse lives, and they will never get what I try to get as early as I can for a foundation. I don't mean that I'm trying to get everything completed, but to get enough there to when if the horse gets troubled, he will come to me or where I can get to him to come to me for security and cover. Without that foundation, I feel very insecure with a horse. For a 71-year-old recreational rider like myself, this foundation of trust is essential. If I'm checking fences and my neighbor starts target practice for hunting season, I want my horse to stay with me. If a bunch of wild hogs runs out of the woods and crosses the trail in front of me, I want my horse to stay with me. If I need to rope a cow stuck in the mud to help her to dry ground, I want my horse to stay with me. I've seen some high-dollar horses with high-dollar training that wouldn't stay with their riders. Some riders and trainers can get their horses to compete at the highest levels in the show ring, but the horses are basket cases otherwise. I'll quote from Denny Emerson again in his book, Know Better to Do Better. He's talking about what he would do over with Cat, his first real competitive horse. If I had Cat today, my approach would be to do everything in my power to earn his trust. I would do groundwork, I would do lots of walking under saddle, I would try to get him to stretch, to gently bend, to get him over the idea 
that a human was an adversary, something like the lion at the waterhole that wanted to cause him pain. Cat was typical of so many horses that are scarred from their interactions with humans. Some can be healed more successfully than others, but in all cases, patient, gentle handling is the way forward. So my question is, how many trainers and riders at the highest levels are focused on patient and gentle handling and earning the trust of their horses? The financial aspects of national and international competition certainly work against that mindset. Denny wasn't thinking about earning trust through patient and gentle handling when he was riding Cat. He was interested in winning in eventing. Denny didn't write his No Better to Do Better book until he was in his mid-70s. Some trainers may not have attended college. They're not Dartmouth graduates like Denny. They don't have the formal education that Denny has. But they spent lots of time with horses. They've worked with lots of horses and they recognize the importance of that trusting relationship. Their attitude toward their horses is captured in the Tom Dorrance quote about building a foundation of trust. Maybe their focus is on building successful trusting relationships for horses and their recreational riders. Those teachers and trainers are not likely involved in training expensive horses for international competition. However, those are the teachers and trainers I want to work with as a rider in the second half of life. If you're a rider in the second half of life, you may want to assess a teacher's or trainer's interest in building a trusting relationship. Don't expect it to happen at a clinic. Don't rely on Google reviews. Talk with riders working with those teachers and trainers and get recommendations from the ones most like you with goals most like yours. I'd like to tell you about the Blue Bonnet Equine Humane Society Training Challenge coming up in October here in Texas. This is an event where professional and amateur trainers spend three to four months training rescued horses to give them a new start in life. If you'd like to donate, I'll have a link to the Blue Bonnet Equine Humane Society website in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Second Half Horsemanship Podcast. If you're also on the Second Half Horsemanship journey, please leave a comment on our website, secondhalfhorsemanship.com. We're always looking for topic and interview ideas. When I use links to books, products, and services in the podcast, some of those links might be referral links. As an Amazon associate, I earn from qualifying purchases. I earn a small commission when you purchase something through those links, but you will not be charged more by using the links. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews help the podcast reach a larger audience. Thank you very much.